Weekly Loss Podcast, episode number 177. Hey, cool, you fixed it. Don't expect anything. The chances of getting a signal are slim at best. Static's good, right? No. Reception is good. Wait, what's that? It's Russo's signal. Oh, crap. But this radio has a wider bandwidth. <laughs> That's what you call a party in a podcast. Hold it! Stop! Do you hear that? Welcome to the weekly Lost Edition of the Generally Speaking Production Network. Now, here are your hosts, Stephanie and Cliff. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Lost Podcast. I'm Cliff Ravenscraft, and today, once again, Stephanie is uh, about doing other things. In fact, if you guys miss Stephanie and you happen to be a gspn.tv plus member, I would strongly encourage you to check out the brand new podcast called Stephanie Unplugged and, of course, unedited. And uh, a lot of people are enjoying that podcast. Brand new show that we're putting together as a special way to say thank you to the people who make what we're doing for a living possible. Podcasting full time. A bunch of different shows you can find over at gspn.tv on the web. But today I'm being joined by a gspn.tv plus member uh, once again. And uh, this is going to be a discussion with Chris Oatley. And I think you have what? ChrisOatley.com. Is that right? That is correct. And so Chris is, has been a longtime listener and is, well, I'll let him tell you a little bit about himself in just a moment. But uh, one thing I know about Chris, Chris is that he is an artist and he drew us the most wonderful portrait of John Locke and uh, the smoke monster. And it's an absolutely wonderful gift. And I just want to say thank you for that. And uh, Chris, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, uh, my wife and I just recently moved to Los Angeles. Uh, uh, I thought I would just pick the most uh, uncertain time in our nation's economy to move to one of the most expensive cities in the nation. That seemed like just a really good idea, you know. <laughs> and uh, and and then I was like, well, what other really wise things could I try and do? And well, maybe try and break into the movie business. That seems like a really stable stable plan. Uh, no, but seriously, I've been working in the animation video game comic book industry for the last uh i don't know four or five years something like that and and uh, doing that mostly remotely occasionally coming out here but we just decided to make the big move uh pursue my passion uh if you will and uh and we just landed about just a couple weeks ago and uh i've been working on a video game lately i can't unfortunately share too many details about that right now but uh yeah, just uh, having a lot of fun, enjoying the 80-degree weather and the bright sun, as my friends call me and complain about their car locks freezing shut. And where did you move from? Uh, moved out from uh, Columbus, Ohio. Okay. So very exciting stuff. A lot of new things going on. I'm sure I can I can imagine that you've probably experienced some sleepless nights as you're looking and facing the unknown at times. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. That's uh, and in fact, I, uh, I, I, you referenced this, I think, in a My Crazy Life episode. But uh, there have been times where I've literally run on GSPN TV as my inspirational fuel. Uh, certain nights where I had to push through, you know, and uh, 
uh, get a you know hit a deadline or get something done, and and I just flip on, just listen to my crazy life's over, and you know back to back for for you know all night long, uh, just just getting caught up and using you know the inspiration that you guys share through that and, and other GSPN uh, episode uh, or uh, podcasts, you know, to sort of fuel my creative fire. Very cool. Just so folks can identify with some of the work that you you do, uh, is can you share with us some of the the stuff that maybe somebody listening to this podcast might have seen some of your work, like any productions in the past? Well, uh, <laughs> uh, Tinkerbell the movie was just released, I think, last week or week before last, and uh, <laughs> I worked on that uh, and uh, uh, designed. A large portion of the props in that film, as well as a couple little side characters, uh, uh, in yeah, actually was really proud of the way that that came out. Uh, so yeah, I did that. Uh, worked on that last year at Disney here in Los Angeles, and then uh, next year, uh, Hoodwinked Two, uh, the sequel to the original Hoodwinked. I'm not sure if uh, you saw that one uh, yet, Cliff, but it's really funny, but extremely low budget, and uh, so they did a sequel with a a much better budget and thus lots more characters. And, uh, that's going to be coming out next year. And I, uh, I designed a, a large portion of the characters in that film. Very cool. Very cool. So now I, you and I have had many conversations back and forth over the last, yeah. especially over the last year. And I, I happen to know that you had to, you know, from Columbus, you flew out to Los Angeles to do quite a bit of work. And you've been on the the studio lot and have run into some yeah. people that uh, we we both would just uh, just drool over having an opportunity to speak with. You want to tell us about that? Oh yeah. Well, uh, you know, I mean, I <laughs> I actually have an article on my website uh, about it, so you can uh, your listeners can can go and uh, read more about the details of my. Uh, mildly stalking Damon and Carlton, but uh, I never really got the opportunity to. Uh, I would, uh, when I worked at Disney, I worked on the lot, of course, and and I remember the first time I walked down to Building Twenty Three, you know, the the famous Building Twenty Three, and uh, you know, there you walk, and it's just this small little, you know, kind of nondescript building over on, uh, you know, way way shoved in the corner of the lot. And uh, but it's cool. It has the original, the the old school Lost logo that you see uh, only a couple times, in, like the DVD special features, and uh, it's like printed onto the glass of the front door, and it's all tinted. And I don't know. It looks like it probably only holds about twelve offices, maybe at the most. But mm-hmm. it's a small little building, and you know, I just went down there and just walked around, and I was like, wow, inside there, they're making my favorite show. Uh, and you know, so then I would. Uh, when I would go to lunch, there's the you pass the lost building on the way to the commissary to eat lunch. So you know, I'd always walk down there and just in hopes that I would just bump into Damon and Carlton while they were on their way to lunch or something. And never got that opportunity, but uh, uh, yeah, it was still really cool to see the building and and just to be there. You know, where knowing that it was all happening right inside there. Absolutely, that is that is quite exciting. Now, you actually had the honor of uh, being a part of the audience of a special panel that is uh, a little bit smaller than the venue, I guess, of Comic Con. Oh yeah, way way smaller than Comic Con, which was the cool part. So l- let's go ahead and just have you ta- tell us about this venue, about what it is you attended, how you got to be that you were attending that function, and and tell us the and we'll just go from there. Sure. Well, uh, it was the Creative Screenwriting Magazine 
uh, sponsored creative, uh, or it's called the Screenwriting Expo. And it was this past weekend, and it's basically a convention where people who want to break into the industry uh, as screenwriters and sort of uh, the assumption that I made was sort of it was it was sort of first degree screenwriters, you know, people right on the cusp of uh, success, sort of convene and learn from all the Jedi masters of the screenwriting industry. And uh, there was just some amazing, amazing talent there. Tim Kring, who runs Heroes, was there, as well as Damon and Carlton and Eddie Kitsis and Adam Horowitz, uh, who. Uh, uh, write for the show Lost, uh, um, among many, many others, uh, many, many famous screenwriters there, just kind of sharing their uh, experiences and their perspective on writing. It was uh, Thursday through Sunday, so it was a really long, uh, you know, long convention. So how is it that you got invited to this or were able to attend this event? Uh, I paid through the nose to go. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's... Um, Basically, I just read Creative Screenwriting Magazine. I actually love that magazine and uh, uh, got onto their email list, which they just send out interesting, you know, little extras that don't necessarily go in the magazine. And then uh, through the that sort of mailing list that I was on, they were promoting their this expo that they put together every year. And uh, I'd sort of heard of it before, but I didn't realize that there was an affiliation with the magazine. And when I realized that it was affiliated with the magazine, I, you know, my estimations of what it was went way up. I realized, oh, there's a lot more credibility here than just, you know, just some, a bunch of people that like to talk about writing getting together. Right. So I knew that it would be a lot more legitimate now, than I had now, originally assumed. Now, we have talked already about the fact that you do graphic design, animation, and stuff like that, but you're really big into uh, writing as well, creative writing. Correct. Yeah, I always have been. And, you know, I, I like I said, I'm doing animation uh, and visual development now, illustration, things like that, the visual side of stuff. But uh, I also have a bunch of pitches and, and things that I've got of talking to friends in the industry about. And I just really want to increase uh, the number of sort of intellectual properties that I have c- circling through the, uh, the industry, if at all possible. I've got tons of ideas, and some of them are more visually oriented, and some of them are more conceptually or writing-based. So I, I kind of like to just hone skills on both of those, in both of those areas. Now, when did how? Or actually, if if you could just estimate about how many people were a part of this panel with Damon and Carlton, how many? Would well, you say actually, were there? the the panel was just Damon and Carlton. Uh, I, and, I meant like uh, in, the, in the audience. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, oh! Uh, I this is like one of the things I'm absolutely the worst at uh, at estimating. I would say. Uh, probably about two fifty, maybe two hundred people. Wow, that's around cool. there. That, that that's a relatively small number of yeah. people to be in a room with Damon and Carlton. So how how did how did that make you feel knowing that you know you missed your opportunity to just bump into these guys on the way to the commissary, yeah. but here you are in a in a in a in a relatively small room with these two guys right up there. Well, it was amazing, and you know Damon and Carlton. It's it's not news to say that they are just very cool guys, and uh, they you know they're just total nerds like us. They just love writing, and they just love the the nuts and bolts of writing, and and that was the thing I was looking most forward to hearing them talk about because I knew that it would be a very select uh, uh, group of people. You know, people that are specifically interested in the writing aspects of the show. That's not to say that they didn't go into more general you know, things of more general interest, but uh, but yeah, it was just amazing to be there with this 
very you know relatively small group of people that had a shared heart about writing and and uh, specifically they they love Lost and uh, and then to have Damon and Carlton there just uh, divulging these secrets of the trade it was just incredible it was an incredible experience very cool now you were not allowed to take any kind of recording gear in with you is that correct. Yeah, I mean, people did anyway, but I just, uh, I, I, I don't know. I guess my conscience just wouldn't, wouldn't allow it. And then, not to mention the fact that I don't want to be that guy, you know, who puts something like that up on the internet and then it, you know, soils my animation career or something because I'm the guy that leaked the, you know, did the illegal taping and put it out on the internet or something like that. So I, I played it safe. No, that that is, I, you know, I, I admire that, and and I certainly. Uh, being just the personality that I am of, of wanting to record and share every aspect of my life, yeah, uh, pretty much. I, I can imagine just how tempting that must have been. But yeah. I, I admire the fact that you you stood up to your conscience there and, and you did what you felt was the right thing, which I think is totally uh-huh. awesome. However, the cool thing is, is that there was no agreement that said that you couldn't talk about what was talked about there, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, the, all it was was just a, a little clause on the website that just said you're not allowed to tape anything. That was it. All right. So let's see what kind of photographic memory you have. Uh, yeah. We're going to start off with non spoilerish stuff, but then uh, we are going to uh, hopefully end this with maybe some not spoilerish because I'm, yeah. these guys don't let out spoilers. But yet, at the same time, they're pseudo-spoilerish. So yeah. let's start off with the non-spoiler stuff. Tell us as much as you want to tell us and, and take us down this this path of what it was like in this room and how it all started off and, and give us a, a broad view of what happened there. Sure. Well, they started off talking about their worst jobs ever. And uh, Carlton went first and he shared about how he was an assistant for some, I don't know if it's an executive or an agent uh, for for a while, and that he would run these absurd errands uh, for this gentleman. And uh, he said that the, the sort of the worst errand that he found himself on was the, the gentleman that he worked for had broken his Ming green China toilet seat and sent Carlton on this, you know, nigh wild goose chase around the city and trying to track down a, a, a replacement China toilet seat for this guy. <laughs> Carlton said that when he said that when he got to the place, he like went to this, I can't, I think it was maybe an antique store and he walks in and he sees a couple, you know, these old china toilet seats hanging on the wall and he said he walks over and one of them is the the exact ming green that he was looking for and he said he like threw his hands up in the air and he was like yes i found it and then all of a sudden he had this moment where he sort of saw his life from the outside and thought what have i become i'm like celebrating about the fact (laughs) That I found this toilet seat. Now, if we ever see that show up in any of the TV shows or anything yeah. that he writes, we're going to know exactly what life experience <laughs> that came from. Oh, it's just so, so funny. And uh, then Damon went on to share a story about how he worked at an agency and uh, he he would have to get there. I guess he was really low on the totem pole and he would have to get there super early in the morning to pick up all the trade papers like Variety and the Hollywood Reporter that would come in. And then he he would have to take these you know bundles of, of the trades and go and, uh, get, you know, dispense them throughout the agency, the building that the agency was in. 
Okay. And uh, uh, he said that for some reason, every morning the uh, variety would come and uh, it was just really like wet, like the, the papers were all wet. So he had to build this ad hoc clothesline uh, and hang out the variety <laughs> magazines to let them dry out in the morning. And then he would have to go and take them and lay them out for the uh, agents to pick up, you know, here and there throughout the building. And uh, so that he got in this sort of silent battle with the delivery guy about how frustrated he was about the fact that variety always showed up wet that's crazy so so both of these guys the worst job they've ever had had dealt with issues of of just basically being a gopher yeah oh and i think that's probably pretty common uh i mean leave it to damon and carlton to pull out the really interesting funny details of of things but i think for most people in the industry that's that they all pretty much have to go through that kind of hazing Gotcha. So, so what happened next? Uh, so then they just started talking about uh, writing the show, and they they went into you know a bunch of uh, different uh, uh, you know points of view and perspectives. I'm going to reach over and grab my sketchbook here real quick. Sure. Right quick. All right. So they basically talked about their breaking in stories after that. They talked about uh, their time on uh, – Carlton talked about his time working on Nash Bridges. And then Damon talked about how he uh, worked on Crossing Jordan and uh, worked for Tim Kring on that show. And uh, it was at that time that, that uh, Damon heard about this you know, Lost project at ABC. And uh, he said that he thought it, it sounded like a terrible idea <laughs> when he first heard about it. Uh, but but if he had taken this meeting, uh, you know, about this opportunity, he, he, the way he saw it was it, it was an opportunity to meet J.J. Abrams, who he had been uh, said he said he'd been stalking uh, for years, had been a fan of him. And so it was an opportunity to meet J.J. So he took the meeting and, uh, you know, it was at that point that he sort of started to get drawn into the idea of doing something that's not just people stranded on an island, but it's really so much more than that. Very cool. So that, that, that's very interesting to hear that, that Damon just thought this was a terrible idea, but it was, he was just using that as a, as, a, as a means of getting to know J.J. That, that is a, that's something I've not heard before. Oh, yeah, I know. I was really shocked to hear that. But and I mean, who knows? He might have been exaggerating a little bit or maybe not. But it, it was really funny the way he delivered it. You know, I can totally see that, honestly, because I remember the hype behind Lost. I remember the promos. The I mean, before the season actually began, all 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 leading up to Lost, I remember hearing them talk about it over and over and over again. And every single time I ever heard anything about it, it's like, that sounds awful who would want to watch just another survivor type television show this is absolutely ridiculous and i remember even watching or well being present in the room when the second part of the pilot was on and stephanie was watching it and i'm like what are you watching and and just it's like this is absolutely crazy so i can see where he could come off thinking that oh completely and uh in in fact Sometime around this time, it wasn't entirely clear, but I guess J.J. even communicated to Damon that J.J. had no intention of hanging around and being a part of the day-to-day workings of the show. And uh, Damon, I guess, wasn't you know fully clear on what that meant, but he said that uh, 
when they were working on the pilot, Damon walked into the editing room as they were cutting the pilot, and Tom Cruise was sitting there watching the pilot of Lost <laughs> with JJ in the editing room, and Damon knew at that point that that uh, yeah, he's not going to be around for very long. He's got bigger things, you know, happening, and he's you know going to be moving on to movies and whatnot. I thought that was really interesting. So that's right about when he started. He was actually working on what Mission Impossible three. I would assume so, yeah. yeah. It seems like he and Tom became pretty good friends at that point. Very cool. All right, so so what happened next? Well, then, uh, let's see. I guess they started talking about consulting my notes here. Uh, well, they just kind of kept telling stories from the trenches. Uh, they, they talked about uh, Carlton's time as a script reader, and uh, he was saying that, you know, if you want to be a good writer, you got to become a good reader of scripts. And I thought that was really interesting. And uh, he was just talking about how that time as a script reader benefited him. I think it just gives started to give him perspective on how these, how a TV script is constructed and so forth. Uh, and then, you know, it was interesting. Damon said something, you know, really cool. He said, you know, when you're getting ready to interview for a job, and in this case, he's talking about writing jobs, of course. And he was saying that, you know, when you he's like every meeting you take, every time you meet with someone to work on a show, uh, you know, you you act as if that job is like the greatest job ever and that this show that you're going to work on is the greatest show ever. And I thought it was interesting because, you know, a lot of people could look at that and go, oh, well, you're just sort of, you know, feigning enthusiasm. But but he said, you know, it's really not fake. He said, because when if you were to get that job, you know, it then becomes you know, like one of your kids, like, you know, it's it's your favorite thing ever. You know, it becomes the best show ever because that's what you're working towards. And if you're not going to work towards making that show, you know, the best job ever, then, you know, don't take the job kind of idea. And I'm I'm paraphrasing what he said, but I just thought that was a really interesting perspective, like, you know, living in that anticipation uh, of it being the best show or trying to turn that show into the best best show ever, uh, you know, whatever it is you're going to work on. So I wonder, I wonder if he did that when he actually went in for, you know, knowing that he wasn't all that interested in Lost, if that if that's something that he forced himself to do. I'm sure it was. And that just that being, you know, the combination of that and the opportunity to meet J.J., I have no doubt yeah. uh, that that was that combined to make a very interesting experience for him. You said that they talked about season five and six a little bit. Um, they sure did. Let's go ahead and and put out just a real quick. Uh, slight pseudo spoiler warning. In fact, I'll even play a little thing here for us. This isn't what was supposed to happen. What's going to happen? You don't want to know what was supposed to happen. I know. Because you don't know what's going to happen. You know what? I'm not going to find out. Don't you want to know? All right. So uh, for those of you who don't like any type of spoilers whatsoever, I'm going to encourage you to go ahead and uh, shut things down now as we continue on our discussion. I don't think there's anything too overtly spoilerish, but uh, let, let's get into some of the discussion about what did, what are some things they said about season five and six? Well, something interesting to me uh, was that they said they only have at as of Saturday, they only had 24 episodes of Lost uh, left to break in the writer's room. And that was just interesting, that 24, just, just the fact that there are so few relatively episodes left, you know, that was just really interesting. Uh, and I guess that means that they're, they must be breaking episode 11 
of season five uh, right now in the writer's room. So they're well past uh, the midpoint of writing this season uh, now. That's very Uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. And it was just cool to kind of give us a perspective of what's happening right now because we're obviously not really connected to the show because it's not on. It just, for me, gave me this kind of connection to the show to think, you know, I know exactly what they're writing. And when that, you know, episode 11 comes out, I'll think, oh, wow, when I, you know, when I met them, uh, that's that's the episode they were working on. All right. So what, what else did they did they give you any details or anything? Yeah. Well, there's a, a few rapid fire things here real quick, and then right. I'll get into a little bit uh, more of the philosophical spoilers, if you will. But um, uh, a couple quick ones. Carlton explained that uh, the Sox are going to have a big tragedy this coming season. Ooh, the, the, meaning the Red Sox, huh? Uh, no, meaning the Sox is in the like the background and minor characters of which. Oh, okay, okay. You know, so sorry. Arts and Nikki and Paolo are sort of the featured Sox. You know, they're not necessarily significant to the main story. Gotcha. Okay. So, so that's that must be writer lingo, huh? Yeah. Well, and then I think it's more fan lingo. Actually, I can't remember oh, okay. exactly how that co- t- term was coined, but I believe it's sort of one of those things that happened on the boards. People just started calling them the Sox. I don't really know why. Huh. I've never heard. That's really weird. I've never heard that term. I've always heard red shirts and stuff like that. But uh, yeah. All right. Well, red shirt is yeah. That's a good one too. So, so they're going to be so basically in in some of the non main characters. There's going to be some pretty big tragedy kind of stuff happening. And of course, this is all just speculation at this point. But I think I wonder if it, it has something to do with that. You know, we're so, at the end of season four. We're sort of hinted uh, at the fact that you know there's something really bad that happens to a lot of people and you know on that are, that are left on the island. And we know that you know no one but main main characters are the ones that got off so i wonder if a lot of that you know consequence that john locke was apparently coming back you know uh to to warn jack and the gang uh, the off-island crew about was you know if that had something to do with it you know the the uh, deaths or whatever of these you know more minor characters exactly okay uh, so then I guess uh, Eddie and Adam teased the fact that Expose will return to Lost, uh, uh, the show within a show. And it was not entirely clear, but there, I think there was enough said to, to lead uh, the audience to believe that it's possible that uh, Billy D. Williams, uh, the, who played Lando Calrissian in Star Wars, uh, might actually return to the show and reprise his role as Mr. Lashad. Gotcha. So that was kind of exciting. As long as they don't bring him back and try to tell us he's Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I doubt that will uh, doubt that will happen. Now, now you mentioned Eddie and Adam. Who are Eddie and Adam? They are uh, two of the writers on the show. They're now they now become you know some rank of producer. I can can't keep track of uh, every year when you write on a TV show. Every year your sort of producer rank goes up. Every single year you stay on a show. So uh, they're pretty up pretty high now because they've been there since uh season one but they wrote uh the episodes dave uh and greatest hits uh the charlie centric episode uh you know where he writes you know the greatest moments from his life right before he dies mm-hmm. it's the penultimate episode of season three uh they wrote uh ji yon and uh let's see trisha tanaka is dead uh, and i think one other but i can't re- recall what it is now 
but yeah, uh, as a sidebar there, they, it's interesting. The, the people that were going to be attending the expo were able to vote on their favorite Eddie and Adam episode. And then Eddie and Adam for their panel went and did sort of an anatomy of an episode presentation. And so the one that got selected was greatest hits. So that was really cool to have them just go sort of scene by scene and explain how they write, wrote that episode of lost. That is very cool. And you set in on that as well. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it was it was awesome. And this was a separate panel because before you said Damon and Carlton were the only panelists on their panel. You got it. Okay, yeah. Just want to make sure we're we're all tracking along here the same. Sure. So then uh, they said that, or someone asked if we would if we would quote meet the Degroots, and Damon and Carlton were sort of. It didn't seem like they fully agreed on how the you know how that statement should be stated, but they they were sort of like what? And I think eventually Damon they sort of reached an agreement, and Damon sort of said, uh, "By the end of the show, we will probably see the Degroots, but not meet them," which I thought was kind of interesting. Hmm. So, uh, so, oh, see, see the Degroots, but not meet them. That that means more maybe possible videos. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Or p- perhaps in a uh, you know in a flashback, maybe if we get the Edgar Hallowag or Peter Chang story or something like right. that, Pierre Chang story. Yeah. Uh, so they shared that Patrick Fischler of Mad Men, uh, the show Mad Men, is has joined the the cast for season five. And uh, if you look at this guy's face, there's a link on my site to his IMDb IMDb page. Uh, he looks like a Widmore crony. Uh, if you ask me, I think it's uh, he's definitely got that vibe. I'll have to check that out. And and that's at chrisoatley.com. You got it. O-A-T-L-E-Y. Very cool. So then this is where it starts to get really good. There was a discussion that we were having about Ben and, you know, everybody's heard the story about how Michael Emerson came on and, you know, is he going to be the leader of the others? You know, we'll keep him on if the actor works out. We will make him the leader. You know, if he doesn't work out, then we'll just have him get set free and then someone else will be the leader. And uh, so, you know, they were there was some sort of question asked about this and and they were in this discussion and Damon ended up saying uh, and I'm pretty sure I think I got this as a direct quote. But there might be a little room for error here. But I believe this is a direct quote. Friendly was never supposed to be the leader of the others. And then he went on to ask a question to the audience. He said, is Jacob the leader of the others or is Jacob more of a spiritual figure that the others answer to? Hmm. So I thought that was interesting. That is very interesting. So very that is I like that. I like that. That, that kind of leaves it very ambiguous and. And open to, you know, a lot of different possibilities still. So so they don't have to show us more of Jacob, but but could show that, that maybe Jacob is 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 not who, the, you know, maybe not even real, but in maybe some of their minds. Well, and when when cast in the light of the the, the other bits of information that are coming down the pike here, uh, it, it'll it makes it even more interesting, I think. Uh they asked uh, someone asked them, you know, who the bad guys in the show really are. And they were, you know, considering the new perspective uh, found, you know, when we've heard about the others plight now and, uh, you know, the sort of introduction of Charles Widmore, who seems even more evil uh, than Ben. Uh, Damon said, there are no heroes and villains in our show, only different points of view. Mm hmm. So that was really interesting. That's something I th- I think we've been ta- at least here. Stephanie and I have been talking about from the very beginning is that that you know it, it, there there 
you know, if we've been taught that the losties are the good people, the others are the bad people, and then we knew, uh, we kind of sensed that even before we actually got to see the season where we start to get to know the others, it seemed to me that their next attempt was to show us that the law, that the quote unquote the others aren't really all bad people, and then of course we end up liking Juliet, and we kind of like some of the others in the in in that camp. And and I kind of get that, and 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 to find out that we're all kind of flawed, and we all have our our advantages and disadvantages, and sometimes our misunderstandings lead to doing some very irrational things, such as killing each other. Uh, so so that 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 seems to confirm a lot in that you know there isn't one ultimate side that is is standing for what's right and what's good, it, but they all find themselves you know, living in, in in a way where their their interpretation of what is right is what they pursue and that seems to contradict what some other people feel yeah i mean it's just like king david you know he's like this noble guy and yet he did some horrific things you know i think i don't know if many people would cons- would not consider you know king david and of course i'm referring to the the old testament uh, character of King David, you know, I, I don't know many people who would not think of him as a hero. And yet, you know, this guy had some really big mistakes in his life. There's no doubt about that, as as well as many other people that we consider to be heroes of the Bible. There, there's there, there, the Bible's full of people who have done some egregiously horrible things and and yet are considered to be people after God's own heart. Yeah, totally. And I just see that echoing, you know, in Lost all the time. I think it's really interesting. So here's here's the here is the thing, Cliff. Here's the one that when I heard this, I just thought, Cliff Ravenscraft, this is going to blow his mind. He's going to freak out when he hears this all part. Right. I, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. So and and actually, I'm. This is it's sort of hard to explain. So I'm actually going to be as lame as to read this right off of my website, right out of the story of my website. But I'll try and be as animated and interesting as possible. But it's just it's a lot to try and swallow. So I'm just going to instead of trying to paraphrase it, I'll just just read this here. I wrote in regard to the sci-fi element of the show, Damon and Carlton explained that they like to think of Lost as an adventure show and not as a sci-fi show. Damon referenced Raiders of the Lost Ark and explained that most people would not consider that movie a sci-fi film, even though people get their faces melted off and ghosts fly around and kill an army of Nazi soldiers. His point was that the supernatural elements in Raiders don't really show themselves until the last ten minutes of the film. Damon said that they are trying to make Lost like Raiders of the Lost Ark, in that the supernatural element will increase as they approach the series finale. He went on to explain that the same thing happens in The Stand by Stephen King. Like Raiders, the emotional tone of The Stand is dark and scary throughout, but the supernatural is very slowly introduced through small dispensations like psychic dreams. It is not until the end that those elements culminate to something undeniably supernatural. The Stand has always been one of the most prominent literary inspirations for Lost since the very beginning. Damon explained, and here here goes, Damon explained that season five will have a noticeable increase of science fiction in comparison to the other seasons, but, quote, by the time we get to season six, it's just going to be crazy. That is awesome. <laughs> I love that. You know, I, I that sounds so much better to me than what I heard. Oh, gosh, what I can't remember which season. Was it season three that they gave us the six episodes of the, the love triangle? 
Yes, it was. I, very, I, it's the first six episodes of season three, which he, they actually talked about that, too, by the way. Well, I'll, I'll have you tell me what they said. But uh, I, I remember them leading up and talking about what's going to happen when season three actually gets around. Yeah. And there's going to be so much more sex in this one. It's like, oh, come on. You know, give yeah. us something good. And, and yeah, I yeah. love to hear that they're going to have more sci-fi and, and that it's just going to get crazy with with supernatural stuff near the end which tells me that they're heading towards that temple oh yeah totally well and then back to the whole jacob thing you know they this idea of jacob being the spiritual leader that the others answer to or spiritual figure that the others answer to as damon said it's just very interesting to think that maybe and and then they use they've used it's not news that they use the stand as this sort of literary blueprint for the show that i mean they've said that numerous times so why wouldn't it play out in a similar way and i don't want to spoil the ending of the stand for anyone who hasn't read it don't do that because i haven't read it yet (laughs) yeah no no i I won't but you know when at the end of that story it is it's i mean it is crazy it's like i think many might even argue way too supernatural so it's like I mean, they. I just think it just raises the bar for loss. They're, I mean, literally, all bets are off. Anything goes at this point. I'm very excited about this. Now, what did they say about those first six season or first six uh, episodes of season three? Well, they. You know, the, the interesting thing that Damon said. He he said something to the effect of, you know, we we couldn't move forward with the show because of you know the obvious. We didn't have the end date inside in the network was holding us back you know trying to say well we don't want to put an end date on the show we all know that but i thought what was interesting was that he said you know our characters were therefore locked up and so we had to put them in cages and physically lock them up because the story had locked them up they couldn't move forward they couldn't go anywhere because we couldn't progress through the story so we had to just literally lock them in cages and i just thought that was interesting how the actual physical location of the characters echoed what was happening you know with the network and damon and carlton that is really cool and and you know we i certainly suspected that that was the issue and 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 you can definitely see a massive change in the story writing once they finally announced that end date and as much as i i hate the fact that lost might one day be over yeah, I, I love the way that the story is moving and and shaking things up, and and it's always new, it's always exciting, and I haven't seen, I don't think I've seen a bad episode since we've they've announced the end of Lost. I, well, and, I think well, I the only thing I can add to that is that I was upset with the part one of the of three yeah. of the finale last year, but it's oh, we only, know. It's only it's only because they separated it from the other two. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I remember those days. I was all jazzed up to go listen to the Weekly Lost podcast. Oh, I can't. And Cliff is bummed. <laughs> <laughs> that, I, that was one of my less than inspirational podcast episodes. Well, and the thing I keep telling friends, you know, that have that that same a lot of people I think felt that way about that episode. And I think I might even have sent you an email about that where, you know, the fact is Damon and Carlton's worst day is like most people's, you know, dreamed of pie in the sky best day ever. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, it it was definitely I mean, when you compare it to, well, the rest of television, it was awesome. Yeah. But 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 what but what we had come to expect, it was, oh, man, it was a total letdown at the very end. It just did not have that hook in it. 
Yeah, oh, totally. You're totally right. I think the main anticipation was that we wanted to see that orchid station. Yeah. You know, and uh, and we and the fact is we had to wait a whole other week for that. I think there was a lot of anticipation that it was just going to be orchid right away, and, you know, we ended up not getting that until another week later. Yeah. So what else do you have for us? Anything else that they discussed? Yeah, well, I, I've got tons. I mean, I literally could this, – this podcast could be, you know – three hours long if I let it. Uh, I'll, I'll say now that I'm going to be continuing to write articles and post on my site uh, from my notes uh, about you know more of the geeky details of writing and, and some more interesting anecdotes that Damon and Carlton shared. Uh, but for now, I thought I would talk about uh, the, what Damon and Carlton said about the uh, unanswered question uh, phenomenon of Lost. Okay. Uh, it, it was just interesting because... I remember when they said that in on their podcast, I don't know, I think end of season four-ish, uh, where they said, you know, not all the questions of Lost are going to be answered. And I think that, you know, kind of made some people worry that there would, you know, we were going to get gypped or whatever. And, uh, you know, that certain things like the smoke monster might not be explained. And Damon said, quote, we have every intention of explaining what the origins of that monster are. Good. So that gave me a lot of faith. We are definitely going to know how, you know, the, and he even says the origins of the smoke monster. It's not even like, what is it made of, but where did it come from? You know, who made it? Those kinds of things are definitely going to be answered. And then he, he said the kinds of unanswered questions that he and Carlton were referring to when they said that there were going to be unanswered questions. He, he said it's similar to the kinds of questions in the Chronicles of Narnia. For example, you know how the fates of the characters end up, uh, but Questions like, why does walking through the wardrobe transport people to Narnia? Those kinds of questions are the ones that remain unanswered. Right, so to right. me, that's, that, I think that's an easy thing to go, okay, well, why does the island have these magical properties? That, to me, I, I, I don't need to know that. I mean, I, it just does. You know, the island is just mystical, the end. That's fine for me. I don't, in fact, I wouldn't want that question answered. I think it would, it's sort of like the midichlorians thing with the Force and the Star Wars prequels. It's like, you, there's a point where you go too far and you reveal so many mysteries that it just becomes, you know, boring or anticlimactic. Right. So that was great to know. Like, I, I, I think they'll, you know, definitely focus on the questions that keep coming up, the ones that everyone's talking about, are probably there for a reason. They're they're probably going to get answered, including the smoke monster question. And then the uh, the the last thing on that note that Damon said that I just thought was great was he expressed that he uh, he, he said it, it was his suspicion that the fans are less concerned with how the big mysteries of the island will be resolved than they are about how the story of the lost characters will end. Uh, he said that that the questions of the character stories will all be resolved. He said the big questions like where is Locke on the axis of faith when the show ends? Where is Jack on the axis of faith when the show ends? That's what people care about. And that's a quote. That is awesome. Yeah, isn't that great? That that is really good, and 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 I love you know this 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 is what I love about this episode and having you on, Chris. And I really I I really want to say thank you on behalf of the entire GSPN.TV community for for having you here because what what you've just given us in in this last forty three minutes or so is is just really a lot of anticipation that help us build towards this January premiere date. 
And, and, and it's one of the things where and you've probably heard me say this in the most recent episodes is that, you know, a lot of people are just like, I just can't wait until loss is back. And I just can't wait. And I'm actually this, this is going to help me enjoy my processing and thinking about what might possibly happen in season five as I actually enjoy the anticipation and wait for season five to start. Oh, yeah, I, t- I couldn't agree more. So now th- this meeting that you had with them, you, there was a lot more you said. You'll be you'll be posting articles and, and blog entries over at chrisoatley.com. That's O-A-T-L-E-Y.com. And uh, now did you get the chance to shake their hands, talk with them at all? <laughs> uh, I didn't get – I didn't shake any hands. But uh, when – because when I met Carlton, my – I had just finished washing my hands in the restroom. <laughs> Uh, but I basically what happened was, uh, you know, I had one thing in mind, and that was that I wanted to give them both a signed print of that painting of John Locke and the Smoke Monster, mm-hmm. the one that you referenced at the top of the show here. And I, I really just felt like, man, I just want to give these to them just with a little message on there just saying thank you. Thank you so much that you guys have inspired me as an artist so much, and not just inspired me to make this painting but just inspired me on so many levels to think about my paintings differently to think about the stories that i'm writing differently to just just raise the bar on quality and character anyway so i just really felt that is the number one priority today if i can just get these in the hands of damon and carlton uh i'll I'll be totally happy so what i did i sat in the front row during the uh the actual panel and the minute they were done i ran up to the table and i just slapped slapped both of my prints down and i looked right at damon and i said hey man i just want to give these to you guys and he was like oh thanks and then uh and then i just i there was like 40 people around me so i didn't want to you know try and sit there and have a conversation Right, And so I thought, man, there we go. You know, heard a great panel, you know, got my prints to them. You know, they, they see them right there. They're going to get them and felt totally satisfied. So then I go down and I run into the restroom and, uh, and I was walking when I was done, I was walking to the, to the sink and Carlton walks into the restroom and I'm thinking, here's my opportunity. But obviously I wasn't going to approach him as he was (laughs) going to the restroom. (laughs) Because that would be really freaky. Uh, So what I did is I walked up to the sink and I started washing my hands. And then I thought, well, you know what? Maybe I won't bother him. And then I thought, no, you know what? I'm just all I want to do is thank him personally. I mean, I I don't I don't think I have what it takes to write for a television show. I just don't think that's in the future for me. I'm not trying to get a job from him. I just want to thank him for inspiring me so much. So I stood there and I washed my hands three times. (laughs) (laughs) I just kept washing and washing and washing. And then, uh, then Carlton comes up and uses sink like three or four sinks down from me. And uh, I just looked up at him and I was like, hey, thanks, Carlton. And he looks at me and he's like, oh, yeah, you're welcome. And I had actually I asked a question. Uh, you know, they did the whole typical panel and then the Q&A from the audience. And I asked a question about Desmond and Penny. Uh-huh. And so I, I thanked Carlton for uh, being so um, 
generous with his answer because they really, they really, really went into some great detail uh, in the answer to my specific question. I said, man, I didn't think my Desmond and Penny, I, I said, I, I, I couldn't believe how rewarding the answer to my Desmond and Penny question was. I was like, thank you so much. I've been anticipating asking you that. And it was just awesome. And uh, he was just real gracious, you know, and then I just said, hey, you know, I, I just wanted to let you know in case you didn't see I handed some prints to Damon and the, there's one for each of you of a painting that I did a John Locke and the Smoke Monster and just wanted you guys to have that just as a thank you it was like oh yeah great you know just real real casual real real approachable super nice it was awesome that is very cool Chris man I, I I thank you from the bottom of my heart for for being a part of the gspn.tv community. So glad to have you as a plus member. And and the folks are probably tired of me talking about plus membership all the time. So could you do me the honor and just tell folks what gspn.tv plus membership is? Well, actually, if you were getting, re- I thought you, for a second there, I was worried you were getting ready to sign off because I was going to have to interrupt you and and do exactly that. And uh, 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 that was, um, I, I felt like something really important to just say while I was on here. I know we're going long, but uh, uh, I, you know, plus membership is just awesome, and I, you know, you can say the word community, and that has a certain you know, importance in our nation right now and in our world. I think people are are hungry for community and connection, but it's a whole other thing to experience it. And I will say, you know, from firsthand experience, uh, Cliff and Stephanie pour themselves into this community and they are getting, you know, obviously all kinds of emotional benefits from it because that's, we just emotionally benefit when we have interaction with each other as humans. But, you know, they are no frills. They are not making, you know, uh, uh, very much money off of this thing. It's not like they have vested interests. They are just really have a heart for people and they have a real heart to connect and they realize that emotional currency is worth way more than financial currency and this is just proven to me time and time again as I interact with them uh, online or on the phone or whatever and uh, they are just I just think you guys are doing a fantastic job at GSPN and, and just I think the proof is in the pudding. You know, you don't get, uh, get 174. Is that where we're at now? 174 plus members? 179 now. 179. I mean, you look, it just keeps growing. You don't get 179. It's hard to get 179 listeners to a podcast. You don't get 179 people signing up for a plus membership without it meaning something. You know, obviously, people are going and finding the value. 179 people have found the value in this kind of thing, and I just can't speak uh, more highly about it. It's just amazing. Very awesome. And if you guys uh, are wondering what in the world we're talking about, there are two places on the Internet I'll encourage you to go to. Go to gspn.tv slash about. And it'll give you a little bit more of the mission and vision for Stephanie and I, what we have behind what we're doing with podcasting. And uh, if you want to learn about Plus Membership and what it is, uh, there is details over at gspn.tv slash plus. And, of course, one of the added benefits is that you get every single episode of all of our podcasts as a Plus member. And this episode here happens to be a free one. We're going to be putting it out to every every place out there. However, we are still recording a podcast every single week here for the Weekly Lost Podcast uh, edition of gspn.tv. And I uh, want to make sure you don't miss out on any of this awesome Lost content. And uh, just thank you for your consideration. And, Chris, thank you so much once again, my friend. Oh, thank you, Cliff. All right, folks. We'll see you all soon. 
and uh, be back again next week. And I'm certain that if I, I could probably twist, uh, twist Chris's arm and probably get him to come on and talk a little bit more about some other things that maybe were said in a future episode. Heck yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Until next time, join the community. Join the community.